You are clean, though not all of you. For Jesus knew who was to betray him. Those words hang in the air as the disciples stand still. Candle flames quivering in that dusky, dim upper room. They are bewildered, looking at each other, then looking to Jesus, their eyes following him across the room as he returns to the table. Do you know what I have done to you? Did Jesus want an answer? If so, no one uttered a word or offered a response. If anything, I imagine Andrew with maybe a thought bubble above his head going, this is absurd. Teachers and hosts don't do the dirty work of servants. Jesus interrupts him and says, you call me Lord and teacher, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher, your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You should do as I have done to you. We, like these friends of Jesus, can't imagine the weight or the gravity of those words, can we? It's just too much. Jesus is often just too much in the Gospel of John. He's too much. And in the negative trajectory of that phrase, he's too much of an enigma, or he's too much in this ethereal existence, or he's too much in asking crazy questions. Remember Nicodemus from a few weeks ago? You're asking me to go back into my mother's womb to be born again? Jesus is too much. I sometimes marvel and reminisce and laugh a bit at my university Christian club days because there was an era in our get people to understand Jesus phase when we handed out these slick, shiny, picture-embossed, cool graphics gospels of John. This was the late 80s, and they were four by four. And so we, we thought that maybe if we made them look like free compact discs and laid them at different places in the university, that people would pick them up and find them. And so we put them everywhere. Like we put them on the shelves of the payphone telephone booths. Yes, those were a thing. Or we'd you know, leave them on our cafeteria tray as we walked away. Or we'd tuck them into the uh, drawers of the Dewey Decimal Card Catalog in the library. <laughs> that was a thing, too. And we thought, well, if only university students would read these booklets, then our work here on Earth would be done. Thank you very much. <laughs> and now I think about it. The Gospel of John, really? <laughs> Out of all the Gospels, uh, I think the Gospel of John is a wild one. Because, like I said, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is often just too much. So I want us to return to Jesus' question. Do you know what I have done to you? There's no simple answer or or, or thorough good answer or complete answer to that question, is there? 
But I would like to suggest that there is a joy, shall we say, a response for us to consider in the wake of this searching question from Jesus. And in the season of Lent, when we're feeling pressed upon or compelled to give something up or to take something on, and yes, that can be a meaningful practice and meaningful uh, way of approach for Lent, I think the bigger invitation that Jesus is beckoning us with is, do you know what I have done to you? And in order for us to clear some space for reflection, I want us to realize that Jesus isn't expecting them to say that they're about to do a bunch of stuff for Jesus. Instead, it seems that Jesus is inviting them and us to dwell, to sit, to receive, to have that posture of waiting and openness. I want to help us as we think about that posture with a favorite quote of mine from Eugene Peterson, where he's talking about how we learn of God or how we listen for God. He writes, I want to simplify your lives. When others are telling you to read more, I want to tell you to read less. When others are telling you to do more, I want to tell you to do less. The world does not need more of you. It needs more of God. And you don't need more of you. You need more of God. So in this Lenten season, do we know what Jesus has done to us? Because Jesus is too much. And in that upward trajectory of the phrase, Jesus gives us too much grace. It's grace upon grace. It's an abundance of love and mercy pouring from the heart of Jesus' Father. Generous, tender care lavished upon us. Brought to life through the stories that we've been reading through over the past several weeks, it's a thousand bottles of wine at a wedding party. It's 5,000 families being fed in a lush, green, grassy field. It's water pouring out and swelling up inside our souls. It's this recognition that dead things don't stay dead when Jesus walks into the room or comes into town. Jesus is just too much. And what does he ask of us? Not more works, not proving our worth, not protecting his reputation, not trying to keep his image squeaky clean or competing with our devotion or trying to look better and brighter or like a rising star. When we say to Jesus, no, Lord, surely you'll not, I can do it myself. Jesus responds with a question for us, and says, do you know what I have done to you? 
And then Jesus follows up with this phrase too. I set the example. You will be blessed. So I want us to pause and think about how we are abiding with Jesus in these days. To dwell, to sit, to receive. This encounter, this relationship with Jesus that changes us. And as we read today's story, this relationship, this encounter cleanses us. We are constantly being pronounced as clean. We are persistently being named as the beloved. We are profoundly being reminded that we are enough. Will you welcome those truths into your life today and this week? You're clean. You're beloved. You are enough. It's not your striving and straining or taking up more tasks that's going to get that belovedness and that cleansing done. It's being in Jesus' presence. It's seeing and receiving his example. It's his life being poured out, lived out to us, so that then in mysterious ways, in ways seen and unseen, then Jesus' life lives out through us. The promise is there. We know these things. We are blessed if we practice them. So that's not the final landing place for today's story. Yes, we know these things. Yes, Jesus, we are blessed. But I want to invite you to this posture of listening and learning, sitting, receiving. And as we gather for worship in this place, or maybe you're gathered in a quiet place today or in a room somewhere where you can maybe breathe and pause. And for those who are in the sanctuary today, what does it mean to open our posture? And if you feel comfortable, I invite you to open your posture. Maybe it's widening your arms. Maybe it's turning your hands upward. In this season of Lent, Jesus invites you to dwell, to sit, to listen, to live into Lent with grateful hearts. We who are cleansed, we who are the beloved, we who are kept and loved by Jesus to the very end.